The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's always fun to start a podcast with a little bit of good news. And the good news this morning is that Aaron Bruski's fingers have healed. And the first volume of the 2021 Bruise Letter was sent out by email at about 7.30 this morning Pacific time. The reason that is good news, of course, is that you now can read the Bruise Letter. And it's good news for those of you who signed up a couple weeks back, a month back. It's good news for Brew, that his fingers work again, dealing with some injuries. And it's good news for those that have procrastinated in signing up for the Bruise Letter because one time only, meaning this one, because it's the first one, Hoopball will be sending the same Bruise Letter out later today. So for all of you that waited and waited and waited and never got on the email list, you have just a few more hours before the second email blast of the same volume, volume one, of the bruise letter, which, by the way, 14,000 words long. The man's a lunatic. Straight from the mind of Aaron Bruski, the founder of Hoopball, arguably the winningest fantasy NBA player of all time, and the only place that you can get this 14,000-word, you know, Homer's Odyssey-challenging epic is by email on the Hoopball email list. How do you do that, you ask? Well, quite easy. Go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. Bit.ly, I know people say bit.ly, bit.ly slash bruiseletter, B-R-E-W-S. Not how he spells his name, actually, but like uh, if you were going to have a brew or brew something up, brew some tea, B-R-E-W-S letter, all one word, bit, L-Y, bruise letter 2021. Or you can just go to hoop-ball.com. There's a little orange bar that pops up at the bottom the first time you go every month, and you can sign up there as well. Bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021. Sign up today and make sure you don't miss that first volume of the 14,000-word Mondo Bruise letter. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday to you all. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I already told you about hoop ball. They are hoop-ball.com. And I am your host, Dan Bespers, and it's reverse chronological lightning round Monday. A tradition as old as time. We will repeat ourselves because it's a great way to get ourselves reset for the week ahead. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. You can find me quite easily that way. Dan from Hoopball, it's usually the third search result down. That's the Twitter page. Drop a follow over there, and I will be happy to have you. Happy to have you along for the ride. Let's dive right on in. We already talked about the Bruce letter. That was the only promo we got here at the outset. We'll start on Sunday. We'll work our way backwards. Six-game card on Sunday. Basically what we like to do here on Mondays for those uninitiated, which is not that many of you, but you just never know. There's always one person. That's the way you have to assume. Just one person is listening for the first time anytime you do a show. It's the only way to properly do a show. Assume someone is listening for the very first time. And if you're listening for the very first time today, Reverse Chronological Lightning Round is our reset button. We go through every single team's most recent basketball game and get ourselves set up for the week ahead. By the way, if you're able to listen to this podcast and know when I have to step away for 15 or 20 minutes mid-recording, you are the winner. And it happens like two to three times per episode. I really do my best to try to keep a train of thought going, but I tell you what, with the amount of things happening in my home on a moment-to-moment basis, it is... A challenge. Clippers and the Knicks. Let's just get this thing going. Sunday morning, that was the first thing. Clippers look good. Uh, they shot 54% for this game. Both teams actually shot the ball extraordinarily well. Total in this game was 210, and uh, it went over by like 35. So somewhat unexpected, high pace, 
good offense, teams made their free throws, no turnovers, all that stuff. There isn't much of a story on the Clippers' side. Patrick Patterson made his 100th career start. Congratulations to the man they call Stay Ready, right? No, now they're calling him Just Add Water. Heard that, uh, I think Marcus Morris dropped that one on a post-game show. This was um, not a traditional blowout. The Clippers opened it up later on. The Knicks never really fully went away. Emmanuel quickly went on a personal 8-0 run to get this game close partway through the fourth quarter. So if you're looking at the numbers and thinking, well, Avica Zubats really played himself into a few more minutes, you'd be right. Uh, he's been trending up a little bit. Not enough to really make a, a massive dent in that his minutes have absolutely been better. He's at 19 overall this year. Uh, and over the last two weeks, he's at 20, well, almost 21, 20 minutes and 42 seconds over that stretch. And by the way, in 21 minutes a game, he's a top 100 center because his percentages are good. And so that'll float you in a nine category roto league. He's shooting 84% at the free throw line this year. That's a career high. Will it stick? I don't know. He's shooting 68% from the field this year, which is, frankly, not that far off from where he probably ends up because he's legitimately just only taking shots that he knows are going to go in. There's no reason not to. And in 20-ish minutes of ballgame, he can get you seven rebounds a night. He's just a rebounding machine out there. Problem, of course, is that he's never going to be a big-time shot blocker. He's never averaged more than .9 in a season. And that's where he is this year as well. 0.9 blocks, 0.4 steals. So if you're picking him up, you have to be well aware that this is a guy you're grabbing largely for what he can do for your team in percentages categories. And he's fairly well capped by the fact that Serge Ibaka is still the starter and on most nights will play more center minutes. But he's on the radar. Make no mistake, he's on the radar. Good percentages, mostly rebounds, had a couple of assists here lately. But, you know, he's not blowing the doors off anybody. And everybody's like, oh, he had four assists. He's doing it. Well, he hadn't had more than one in any of his previous six ball games. So, yeah, I mean, things aren't really changing that much. He is very much an on-the-cusp guy. And when the Clippers signed Serge Ibaka, they turned him back into the same on-the-cusp guy he always has been. Uh, Nick Batum was out for this ballgame, hence the starting lineup shift. Marcus Morris up to 28 minutes. He's never really going to be a nine-category kind of guy. A little bit more points leaguey than anything else. And I don't know if his minutes stay in this general area. He got up to 28 yesterday, which was basically a season high. I think he had a 27 mixed in there somewhere. And, you know, efficiency will probably end up being a little bit better this year. But overall, he's just, he's not doing very much. So, yeah, as much as I'd like to say there's some reason to be paying attention here, I don't think there's really a reason to be paying attention here. And he should not be particularly well rostered in any of your leagues. He's number 186 right now. And over the last two weeks, he's at number 159. So things aren't exactly trending in the right way on the Knicks side I mean we're all just sitting here waiting for Emmanuel quickly to get the starting job I don't know I don't know that it's happening and he but okay so th this is a discussion to have on this one first of all Nerlens Noel was out for this ball game so Todd Gibson picks up the backup center minutes otherwise things were uh relatively predictable Reggie Bullock played 26 minutes to Alec Burks's 22 my hope of course is that that rotates and in this ballgame, they didn't end up needing as much offense, which I guess limited Burks to some degree. But Alec still deserves a spot on rosters. He started the year too hot. And, to, I mean, he started the year too strong for us to punt on him that quickly. So stick with him a little bit longer. We have to at least give him a chance to work his way back into whatever role he had carved out before. The point guard spot is the one I really want to focus on. I'm not, not making an adjustment on the wing just yet. Emmanuel quickly is very clearly the, the vastly superior offensive option to Alfred Payton already. Month and a half into his NBA career. Payton is not good on offense. We've talked about his massive fantasy limitations, but just from an actual basketball standpoint, he has huge offensive holes. What he does do that quickly hasn't fully mastered yet is defend. And it's more than just staying in front of your man, although that's certainly a big part of it. 
understanding rotations, where you're supposed to be and when, all of those things that you know, a point guard has to be tuned in on. But he's been so damn good on offense that Tom Thibodeau has had a real tough time keeping him off the court. First of all, let's, let's not bury the lead here. Quickly should be rostered for, I would say, when the changing of the guard happens. And it's, it's in the process of happening already. He's played 24, 23, 25, and 27 minutes his last four ball games, which is as much or more than Peyton and I believe, three out of those four. But things haven't totally turned yet. They're close. How close? We don't know. Thibodeau, Thibodeau is, is quite stubborn. You know he wants his defense guy out there to try to kind of set that tone at the beginning of a ball game. but wouldn't it be nice to set a tone of a guy going out there and scoring? And for quickly, he plays better right now with the second unit because he's not being forced to give up his usage to R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. So there's that advantage as well. He should be rostered. Probably started, although, you know, these heaters he's on right now, they're he's not going to shoot 56% every ball game. He's got that sweet runner. I love that runner, the quick-release runner that nobody's ever really ready for, even if they're going to start game-planning for it. And when they do, when he... Ha- I mean, all he has to do is put in a little hesitation in his driving game... Big men are come flying at him to try to get to that runner before he can flick it to the rim, and then he can blow by them for a more traditional layup. So there's there's great counters in his game here, and he looks incredible. No real defensive stats, which is uh, a bit of a downer when you consider the fact that you know over the last two weeks he's averaging 16 points, three boards, two assists, uh, but and two three pointers, but he's outside the top 130 because no defensive stats and the field goal percent is all over the map. Still, get him on your roster if he's not already. He probably is. Uh, we talked about him quite a bit last week, because there there will be a changing of the guard at some point. We just have no idea when that's going to be. And if you're in a head-to-head league, you can try him out there and just get what you get. Roto games cap, you probably have to sit on him a little bit. So he spent a little bit more time on that ball game because I thought it was somewhat interesting. Utah, Denver, the Nuggets had one of the most incredible shooting exhibitions I've ever seen in the first half. Nikola Jokic ended up with 47-12-5. He's been unreal. Will Barton went 5-for-5 five five from three-point land in the first half of this ball game, and so he was that one, hey, can he get up and over the mark guy? And he did. I'm still watching Jamichael Green. He had 9-5 and five with a steal and a three-pointer, and he's actually hanging out just above the cut line, pretty much since he's settled into this role, whatever you want to call this, backup big man spot. He's been number 96 over the last two weeks. He's not particularly heavily rostered in almost any format. He's not going to score all that much, but he's going to get you threes. He's going to do it on decent percentages, a good foul shooter. From the field, he had a couple of cold games while he was sort of working back into shape. You hope that that will level off closer to 50. And not blocking any shots, but he is getting about a steal a ball game over that stretch as well. Yesterday's game, his minutes were up a bit to 24. Gary Harris pulled an adductor, which we all, I mean, it was just a matter of time with him. And so that probably now, you know, does that clear out more for Michael Porter Jr.? I would have said yes. He had five quick fouls in 19 and a half minutes yesterday. So there was a foul trouble issue that allowed a little bit more to Michael Green. The Gary Harris injury probably means a bit more Will Barton, honestly, but I don't know that he can do what he did here on a nightly basis. They put up a buck 28, and uh, I'll throw him back on the watch list, but for now, I'm still sitting on the probably no one besides Jokic, Murray, and Harris can really maintain fantasy value, but Jermichael Green is your closest, and then Will Barton is your... I mean, I still hold out hope that that he could do something with it, but I just uh, I don't I don't know that it's I don't know that it's happening. I think I'm probably ready to move on there, even though he just came off a good ball game. On the Utah side, Donovan Mitchell came back, but really wasn't himself. Maybe he shouldn't have come back. Utah actually didn't play all that horribly in this game. Denver just made everything. Philly beat Indiana with a crazy fourth quarter comeback. Ben Simmons. Uh, Matisse Thibel's defense was colossal. Tobias Harris had a big scoring game, but really Indiana just sort of stopped. Malcolm Brogdon had 25. 
Jeremy Lamb played 31 minutes, three blocks for Lamb. I don't know where the hell that came from, but he's locked into a big, big role right now. Demonis Sabonis made his free throws, but had issues everywhere else. Demonis Sabonis is one of the most interesting case studies in fantasy value doesn't match the on-court appearance situation. He's at 21-12-6 in the counting categories, in the, the popcorn stuff. And he's sitting just outside the top 50. That just doesn't seem like there should be any way. And good field goal percent, by the way. 54 on pretty good volume. It just doesn't seem like there's any way that someone doing that much positive in four categories couldn't be higher than top 50. But steals, blocks, free throw percent has been a mess. Turnovers, three-pointers. He's been a downer. I mean, you're still going to have him truck along because he's very safe and reliable, but his upside is severely limited by the fact that he doesn't get any defensive stats. Miles Turner finally had a slowdown game, fouled out in 29 minutes, still at 9-5 and five with a steal block and a three-pointer, and uh, you know that'll knock him down a peg or two, but he's still number 8 on the season overall. It does, however, drop his average blocks per game under 4. He's at now 3.8. Gasp! Orlando, Toronto, Aaron Gordon left this game with an ankle thing. He's just sort of intermittently banged up, and that's annoying because Point Gordon has actually been kind of fun. And for Orlando, they just, you know, they need all of their useful guys to be useful, to even compete on a nightly basis. And so if even one guy isn't, they're done. And Vooch was bad, Gordon was hurt, Fournier was bad. They never had a shot. Toronto beat the hell out of them. Aaron Baines had 8-16 and 16 in this ballgame, but you know what? That's what happens when Vooch is on the other side. This is a preeminent buy-low opportunity on Chris Boucher because he will get it going again, and he frankly doesn't need that many minutes to do so. But guess what? Owners are going to get frustrated. He's been trending down. He's at number 37 right now, which isn't, obviously, that's a great number when you think about where he was drafted, but he was inside the top 25 you know, two games back. His stat set is just too robust. He can't be held down for long. See if you can get him for someone in the, I don't know, 50-60 range. Bet you could. I don't think Aaron Baines is playing this many minutes every night. But if he does, you know, go, uh, you know, talk to me about it, I guess. Uh, Put him on your watch list. Let's just, I mean, you can see how it shakes out a little bit. Kyle Lowry had 15 assists. Freddie Van Fleet missed a whole bunch of shots, but he's been fine. No real adjustments here with Toronto, who was missing OG Ananobi and Norman Powell. Brooklyn and Washington, one of the craziest comebacks that I have ever seen. But who cares? Because we sort of knew that a zero-defense Nets team was the perfect way for Washington to wake up. Didn't know necessarily that they would get over the hump like this, but Russell Westbrook, 41-10-8. This could actually be the start of an okay run for him. He's never going to get anywhere near where he was drafted, but he's also not going to end as crummy as he's been so far. Bradley Beal's been terrific. The the others is kind of where we've been focused on this one. Davis Bertans fouled out in 30 minutes. Again, now has to get his wind back for a second time. First one was injury. This one was health and safety, but he did it three threes, and he's very much a must-roster guy. And I would even call him a must-start, because as soon as that thing starts to fall, he's going to be hitting four three-pointers a game and just going bananas with it. Mo Wagner was interesting. He played 21 minutes here, 17-5 and with two steals. It's not always going to be this easy, because he was just coasting to buckets against a Nets team that doesn't care. But he is obviously the superior fantasy center in Washington, and still, to me, a little bit more of a deep league guy. On the Brooklyn side, Jeff Green... 30 minutes, 23-7-3, he's been, he's been amazing, actually, and he appears to be locked into uh, a, a significant center role. He's top 60 over the last two weeks, and I have him in five of my six money leagues. So we jumped in on that one nice and early, and it's paying off so far. He's been great. Uh, ride it until they add someone else potentially at center. And DeAndre Jordan, eight points, eight boards, a block. Missed two free throws in this one. His playing time has been trending the wrong way. I think you can do better. And I don't know for sure. Uh, you know, nothing is is for sure. But I think you can do better. 
He's been fine. You know, the rebounds have been fine. Everything has kind of been fine with DeAndre, but with Jeff Green picking up so many of those center minutes, I just, I don't know how, I don't know how this sticks. He's shooting 87% over the last two weeks, not sustainable. So the 10 points will come down. The 1.8 blocks will probably also come down in only 20-some-odd minutes of ball game. You can give him another week if you want. Uh, this wasn't a good game for him, just pace-wise. And frankly, the last few games haven't been great pace-wise. He's more useful against someone like an Andre Drummond. Clippers don't have a particularly large center, although I guess you could see him out there against Ivica Zubats. Toronto, like, are they really going to match up Aaron Baines? No, Toronto could go small. Then you got Embiid on February 6th, at which point you will see more DeAndre Jordan. But, yeah, he's, he's going the wrong way, and there's some unsustainable stuff that's kind of floating him right now. So I would say start looking, at least, for a potential replacement there on the DeAndre side. Uh, safe to say Joe Harris is fine. I think we can probably call that one fine. He's been awesome. Uh, number 65 on the season now. Three and a half three-pointers a game and shooting 51.5% from the field. You just cannot find guys like that that don't hurt you, in fact, help you in field goal percent and threes. Very rare combo, especially for a guard. Cleveland at Minnesota, they're in a slump right now. This game was so trappy, and you just, I'm so glad I stayed away. Cavs setting NBA records for three-point futility right now. I've got to think they're hearing about it. But I don't know that there's any obvious change for them because they don't have shooting. Torian Prince is probably among their best three-point shooters on that team. And Jetty Osman is the other one. But when he's cold, the whole thing just collapses in on itself. For Minnesota, uh, Anthony Edwards got his second start and looks really, really good. I called him an ad on Twitter as a priority ad because there just aren't that many guys in the NBA that are going to trend up as easily as he will. What I mean by that is, yeah, his fantasy stat set leaves a lot to be desired. He's number 270 on the season right now. And even as he's played more, there's there's still been pretty big gaps to fill. But he's the number one overall pick. They have to play him. This isn't like Golden State with the number two pick in Wiseman, who they can just sort of slowly feed small chunks of minutes to as he's learning the game this is a we're a bad team go figure it out on the fly kid and he sure he did he did in a big way what we don't know is really what his fantasy game is gonna look like he appears to be a very good free throw shooter at a glance field goal percent is going to bounce around as a young guard I would venture to guess it's gonna be low this year I think yesterday was probably a high watermark um, rebounding is going to be, you know, middling is a shooting guard. So whatever, if there are a few assists mixed in, that would be swell. Something in the three neighborhood would be great. It appears as though he will get a few steals when he's on the court. But again, we still don't really know there. And then, uh, turnovers are question mark as well. Seems like he's not going to be a primary ball handler all the time, but so far so good. Really, uh, one and a half turnovers in his last in the last week in 29 and a half minutes a game. Point is, though, there just aren't that many guys in the NBA that whose upside we don't really know, but are going to get shoveled minutes as the season goes along. And it's happening sooner than expected because Nas Reed is out, Cat is out, Wancho's out. But he might not give up this role even when they get healthy. And frankly, they look better when he's out there doing stuff. They might just go small. So I still think he's a priority add, even if you don't necessarily start him immediately and kind of watch this thing shake itself out. He's He's got to be in there. Ricky Rubio had eight points and eight assists, which is fine. He played 20 minutes, though, and that's not fine. And then Beasley and D'Angelo Russell. Jared Vanderbilt was another guy we've been watching as a nice streamer. He had seven and eight with a steal and a block, which is fine. Probably was hoping for a little bit more there, but I will happily keep streaming him as long as Cat is out, at which point I'll probably sit him and see what he does before making any call from there. Let's go back to Saturday, and let's start to hustle a little bit. Portland, incredibly, another team that came from five down in the last 10 seconds to win. Dame 
if anybody's going to hit a game winner. 44, 5, and 9. He's going to do a lot while this team is severely banged up. Good to see Rob Covington back quickly. He had a concussion, only missed one ball game. Nine points, two boards, four assists, four steals, only one three-pointer. Would have liked to have seen him take a few extra shots in this game against a Bulls team that's pretty good with pace. Uh, but Gary Trent ended up taking most of those extra shots, as did Anfernee Simons. Trent appears to be uh, moving himself into nice streamer department. We're sort of wondering if anybody would really step up. Carmelo Anthony is out with Rocco back, so my, hey, Melo might have a chance here, is, uh, is dead. And that's fine. Uh, we didn't drop anybody of value there. I picked him up in a few spots thinking if Rocco misses a couple weeks, he missed one game. So that one obliterated in a heartbeat. Anis Cantor rolling. Um, I think this could be a nice run for Rocco, by the way. And I'm totally in favor of streaming Gary Trent. It seems like he's now got his footing. He's probably pretty heavily rostered in leagues these days just because, you know, he's been hot the last three ball games. And uh, he's seeing a lot of playing time. The seven steals over the last three games are a bit out of the ordinary. I would expect that to trend back down, which is why I'm making him more of a streamer than anyone you could expect stuff from the rest of the way. Chicago side. Thad Young almost triple-doubled. I don't know what's going on here. I mean, he's, he's very clearly a guy you add and start right now because something has gotten into Thad, and it's, it's passing-related. He's uh, number 99 over the last two weeks. He still can't make any free throws. But he's averaging six assists over his last two weeks. That's the darndest thing, man. Uh, over the last one week, he's at 12, 10, and 10. He's actually averaging a triple-double over his last week. Now, they did have that big gap in between ball games, But Thad Young? Yeah, I mean, I don't see how you don't pick him up at this point. He's playing in the mid to high 20s in minutes. Otto Porter re-aggravated his back in this game against Portland, so he might miss a game or two again. And so that's just even more time for Thad with Wendell Carter Jr. out at least another three weeks. Fire him up. I'm just, I'm, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm, I'm giddy. I never thought in a million years our guy Thad would re-emerge. Those of you that listen to this podcast, you know, we, we came up with a hashtag for him two years ago on Indiana, Thaditude. Everybody hated Thad, and I said, no, you got to go Thad. He's an old man special. And then he was like number 65 that year, drafted in the 120 range. He was one of our favorite old man squad guys for two, three years running, and then Chicago signed him and didn't do anything with him. Thank you, Jim Boylan. Well, apparently he's, you know, point Thad these days. Running the offense in the second unit. Darndest thing. Fire him up. Milwaukee's in a little slump. They'll be fine, though. They'll, they'll snap out of it. They just don't care that much about the regular season this year, nor should they. Charlotte, they're rolling right now. Well, we did all these segments late last week on LaMelo Ball being a buy low, and I tried to give you, you know, 100 different guys you could try to use to get him. You're not going to get him anymore. He's going. He's fired up. Uh, Cody Zeller at 7-15-7. and seven. We sort of know how this thing goes. I mean, I know you guys are all going to add him because that's how it goes when guys have big pop-off games like that. But we know Cody Zeller. We know that this won't last very long. Might get a week out of him, and that's fine. Might be a decent week, but the wheels come off. They always do. Terry Rozier hurt his ankle. He's questionable for the next ball game. That gave Malik Monk a whole bunch of wiggle room, and he was actually playing pretty well before the uh, drug of abuse stuff last year that took him out indefinitely. I don't think there's enough usage on this team for Monk, even with Rozier out, because Devontae Graham was sort of kind of half-engaged in this ball game, dealing with Drew Holiday. Uh, between LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, P.J. Washington, generally Rozier, Devontae Graham, you're, just, you're sort of too far down the pecking order. Um, but there is a weird universe where Malik Monk averages like 13 or 14 points a game, just goes in and chucks for 20 minutes, and maybe that's useful. Not in category leagues, it's not. Houston beat the snot out of New Orleans. Christian Wood, 27-9. and nine. Oladipo, 26-7. John Wall, 15-9. Unfortunately, DeMarcus Cousins, just 14 minutes. And it's looking more and more like, even though all the media articles were talking about how Steven Silas was trying to figure out how to use Wood and Cousins together, the answer is, he's not. 
He's not. Boogie is stuck back in the 14-15 minute range, and unless that changes, he's a drop. So I thought that might be, with, with Wood missing three games and Houston winning all three of them, it seemed like maybe that was an avenue. And uh, it's not. They just they can't keep up defensively with those two guys on the court together. You can give Boogie another week, see if anything trends in the right direction, but it that was sort of the chance, and it didn't happen. Uh, Jay Sean Tate is currently the starting small forward. He looked... Um, he looked pretty good in this game, 13 and nine with three steals, but I don't, I don't know how he possibly, uh, can do enough on a night to night basis. Well, let's keep an eye on it though. If PJ Tucker trends down, if they decide they don't want to use Daniel house as much and they didn't need Aaron Gordon as much in this one. I don't think I'm, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm picking up Jay Sean Tate, but we'll keep an eye on it. On the other side, Nikhil Alexander-Walker came in uh, with the Pels kind of running small. Steven Adams hurt his calf, and I would guess he's going to miss a couple of ball games, which kind of leads to a couple of things. You thought maybe there would be more Jackson Hayes. He ended up playing only 13 and a half minutes. They went small. It was small-ish. Zion at center is hardly a small thing, but then just moved everybody up. Brandon Ingram at uh, power forward. Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, Nikhil Alexander-Walker were all sort of a combo one, two, and three spots. I I know this is a really big game for Walker, or Alexander Walker, I should say. 13-5-4 with six defensive stats. Uh, but that hasn't really been his MO. You know, I steals are fine. He gets steals. When he's on the court, he gets steals. He doesn't get blocks. He doesn't shoot the three ball yet. He's averaging about 1.3 threes per game now admittedly some of that is playing time related he had a five three ball game that that big one in LA against the Clippers and honestly that's kind of adjusting his numbers upward he's at 0.8 basically if you remove that one ball game I'm I'm not totally sold yet I like the steals I like the potential for three or four assists he's not going to rebound all that might be me to be fine there but Zion, Steven Adams went healthy. Those guys are going to get it. I still think someone needs to get out of his way. And if you're comfortable stashing, and seemingly everybody is, then you might have something if... And to me, I think more than J.J. Redick needs to get traded. I think it needs to be Redick and either Ball or Bledsoe, and that gets him over the hump, which is possible. This could happen. You know, I'd rather sit on Anthony Edwards at this point. Lonzo's starting to look a little bit better, so that's something. Not really related to our discussion because he's not going to be getting dropped. Sacramento uh, lost to Miami, alternating buzzer beaters in this one or late shots. Marvin Bagley had a better one. He went seven for eight from the field. But even with this ball game, he's still far from fantasy value. Number 246 on the season. And unfortunately, that pretty much makes him a drop in all formats, mostly because he can't hit a free throw and he's not doing nearly enough in other categories to make up for it. You can't really drop him after a ball game like this one, but his minutes are not getting into the 30s. If there was hope of that happening, it's just not going to happen because Tyrese Halliburton's been too good. We've also gotten some questions about Hassan Whiteside, who's played closer to 20 minutes a game over the last few, and from a fantasy perspective, he can do quite a lot in 20 minutes. From a reality perspective, he's a massive issue. Rashawn Holmes just looks kind of tired. I bet he wakes up tonight. I bet you see a better one out of Holmes in this one. I don't know. Maybe not. Buddy Heald's been warming up, and that's good. And overall, Sacramento just seems a little bit less sad on the basketball court. Heat got Jimmy Butler back for this ballgame. Tyler Hero, however, I think he back into safety pro... Or, good lord, Miami. Uh, we'll, we'll track that one. Keep an eye on it. The thing I really liked in this one, forget Jimmy Butler looking really good in his first game back. That was pretty damn surprising actually miss all that time and have that kind of wind in his sails kelly olenic off the bench just better although i think he did start the second half duncan robinson with jimmy butler to help him facilitate just better the whole team just had legs back just getting butler back into the lineup they're still missing goran dragic as well so this is one of those weird things where you know for many years we were like miami Get rid of some of your guys. Then they had like 15 underachieving shooting guards on that team. 
Dion Waiters and Rodney Magruder and all these dudes. That was only like two or three years ago. And then this year, it's the opposite. They didn't have enough guys for the last two weeks. They were just gassed, and they were missing the dude that set everybody else up, and that was Butler. Nobody knew how to get open. Nobody knew how to get easy, easy shots, so they were just winded every ball game. But now suddenly they're just all better. Olinick looked better. I think you can put him back on rosters. I don't know if he's going to start doing that across the board stuff again with Butler to, to keep everybody in the right lane. Then you can add him. Like, Olinick was really good before this team got smoked by health and safety protocols. He's still number 126 on the season overall. Uh, I haven't I haven't really soured on his fantasy game. You know, 0.9 steals, 0.7 blocks. Some points, some rebounds, some threes. Percentage is way down. That'll come back, and so will his fantasy number. Lakers-Celtics, Marcus Smart had a severe calf strain that's set to keep him out for a few weeks. I think they were lucky. They thought it was going to be worse than that. Uh, this will probably just force Boston to go bigger. Everybody's like, what about Jeff Teague? Nah, Kemba Walker will be basically the full-time point guard now. This this is tough for Boston. Marcus Smart is their defensive force. I would consider fading the Celtics. Not right at the front end here. You probably see the kind of injured star. Everybody picks him up kind of thing. But at some point, they're going to start giving up a lot of points. Or maybe you look at overs. Time Lord played 18 and a half minutes. That's way more than enough for him to have fantasy value. But can he get this every night? I'm inclined to think that with Smart out, Time Lord actually gets a bump because Daniel Tice will be in there more at power forward with the Celtics sliding everybody down a slot. And that opens up center minutes, which, you know, Tice is going to play some of those as well. But Tristan Thompson, Tice, Williams, all those dudes fighting for the same center minutes. That was tough. You can slide Tice over to play some 20-odd minutes at power forward. Well, suddenly now there's actual center availability. So the Time Lord, I think, is, you know, Tice also. I guess we should put both of those guys on the list. Possibly both very large beneficiaries of the Marcus Smart injury. I know everybody wants to know, should I just add him? Add him and start him? Um, we got to be a bit judicious with the add and start stuff. Yeah, you probably should add him. Should you start them? I think I'd like to see one game Boston plays without smart see how it goes nothing on the lakers side grizzlies came back from two weeks off and they look great shot 56 percent as the spurs neglected to defend anybody d'anthony melton took all of grayson allen's time and was brilliant in it but i'm sure he'll lose it all to allen when he comes back otherwise i wouldn't take too much away this is a blowout so everybody's minutes were in the 20s on the Grizzlies side uh jaw was fine Xavier Tillman looked pretty good, filling in for Valanchunas. Even Dylan Brooks wasn't too terrible on offense. They like his defense. Everybody's like, why is Dylan Brooks out there so much? He just, oh boy, he chucks. Brandon Clark, pretty good. Gorgie Jang had a big ball game. Can't expect that to happen again. I wouldn't read too much into this one. Blowouts are, are a little goofy. Let's jump along. Phoenix-Dallas, those two have a rematch coming up tonight. Chris Paul, 29-12 and four steals. DeAndre Aiden, 18 and 17. And those two guys absolutely carried the day for Phoenix because Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, all these guys have kind of slowed down a little bit. Phoenix, I'm sure, would love to get Devin Booker back. We don't know. I believe he's considered questionable for tonight, so we might see Booker. The line in that game's been bouncing all over the place, and probably some of that is Booker-related stuff. Dallas side, they just, whew, that team needs some help right now. Luca 29-8-7. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 19. Willie Cauley-Stein actually had 14-9 with four blocks, but somehow they lost. I mean, they lost because they fouled too much. Phoenix shot 31 free throws. Dallas shot 14. You can bet there's been some lobbying between games on that front. Ah, oh, man. It's tough these days to be a Mavs fan. They need... I mean, yeah, Max DeCleba would help a little bit. Kristaps Porzingis sat this game out. He's going to be back in the next one. He doesn't look fully right yet either and then Detroit just total egg in Golden State just totally laid an egg so throw this one out don't make any adjustments if you do you will likely regret them anything that happened on Friday we haven't gone over yet uh Atlanta played on Friday we haven't talked about them Rajon Rondo was ejected but he should be okay DeAndre Hunter ended up having a small 
non-invasive knee procedure and is expected back soon, but not immediately, which means uh, there should be a little bit of room here for Cam Reddish in the short term, and then we'll see if Gallo can get ramped up to his normal minute allotment anytime soon. They are very much babying him as he comes back from his ankle stuff, but at some point you got to turn the dude loose. Trey's hot again. That's a thing. What the hell else happened on Friday? Any other teams that we missed on Friday? We've gone over the weekend. Mm, Thunder. Thunder didn't play over the weekend. Theo Maladone is a nice streamer here with George Hill out, but that's as far as it goes. Darius Baisley actually finally had a slightly better ball game on Friday. Lou Dort did not. Shot two for 14. I mean, it is... <sighs> it's tough to be one of those two guys. Lou Dort is at number 160. Darius Baisley's at 198. I mean, really, right now, neither one of them needs to be on a fantasy team. I know I'm going to take heat for that, but I sort of don't care. I don't care. They don't need to be on a fantasy team right now. They haven't been good enough. You're, you're hurting your team by playing those guys. It's recruitment time on the podcast. This has been going remarkably well, so I'm going to keep it going. Four weeks ago, we recruited for blurb shifts, and we filled them up. Three weeks ago, we recruited for our DFS team, and we filled it up. Two weeks ago, we recruited for our sales team. Got a lot of applications. Many of you are working your way through the pipeline right now. That moves a little more more slowly. And last week, we recruited for our gaming division, and I got a number of really neat applicants. So you're like, Dan... What's even left? I'll tell you. Hoopball is expanding our non-fantasy coverage of the NBA. Perhaps some of you are already listening to those podcasts or reading some of the feature pieces on non-fantasy teams. For instance, right now, we have shows for the Hawks, Nets, Bulls, Mavs, Clippers, Lakers, Grizz, Heat, Pelicans, and Kings. I lost track of how many teams I just said. I think that was 10. If you are a basketball fanatic, and Corbin, by the way, Corbin Ford, our own Corbin Ford with the Round Ball Ramble. That's our main NBA coverage show. You should check that out if you haven't already. If you are a massive basketball fan, which you obviously are because you're listening to a fantasy basketball podcast, and you don't hate the sound of your own voice, and you think you can cover a team like a beat writer, on a podcast, meaning a show pretty much any time they've got a ball game. Hit me up. We're looking for you. We could start a new show together. It's not a quick process, and it's not an easy process because there's a lot of steps, but this is a path to some measure of fame, which I know a lot of you guys would be looking for, but once COVID's over, maybe a path into an arena down the line as a member of a credentialed media with a team. I mean, there's so many really cool endpoints to team podcasting or team coverage in general. So let's say you're out there, and I said those 10 teams. So if you're a massive, and you don't even need to be a massive fan, but obviously it helps because then you're going to want to watch all of their games. If you're just beyond obsessed with a particular team and you think you can report on them without just screaming like a fan, this is a spot for you. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com with the subject line, I want to cover a team. Because we're growing, and again, this is not, this isn't to dabble, okay? This isn't like, oh, I'm going to do a podcast once every two weeks. No, you are covering a team, you will follow them religiously, you will report on them via podcast, if that's what you'd like to do. You will grow your profile in that team's community and social media and other methods. And one day you'll take over the world. <laughs> at Dan Bespris on Twitter, teamhoopball at hoopdashball.com. Hit me up. Let's see how this recruiting pitch goes. Trying it out. Floating it out there into the universe. Tonight, it's a big one. Mondays have been pretty busy these days. It's a 10-game Monday. Wolves are in Cleveland for the home-and-home home, as opposed to just the traditional rematch set which, you know, it's fine because they play the same teams, but they do have to travel, so I don't know that that necessarily accomplishes quite the, the same goal. Cavs favored by 5.5 after losing to Minnesota last night. Normally I'd like to look at a team that lost in this rematch, but the Cavs are a mess right now. They're not hitting shots, 
And the Wolves actually looked like they had a little bit of fun last night. And that is a reason to be very nervous. If you're fading a team that's having fun, it's kind of why I was back in the Kings. Looked like the Kings were having fun for the first time in a long while out there. Fantasy-wise, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt on the Wolves side. Cavs are just sort of watching how the minute distribution goes. Nance is back. Did a bunch of rebounding in their last ball game. Lakers are in Atlanta to take on the Hawks. Lakers uh, banged up right now, but it seems like everybody's playing. Lakers leading five and a half. This is about right. You're pretty much just guessing whether or not Trey Young is going to be hot. If Trey Young is hot, they cover. I think the Lakers probably win. If Trey is cold, Lakers beat the piss out of him. Hornets on the road in Miami. The Heat favored by six. Strikingly large number here, considering how well the Hornets have played lately. There is uh, there's something in the water. I'd like to back Miami, but honestly, I'm a little bit worried that Butler sort of had that big first game, and then this might be the one where his legs are a little more jelly. The adrenaline got him through the first one back. Uh, Hornets playing really, really well right now, and I'm, I'm not going to jump in front of that. I'm probably going to leave this one alone, frankly. Charlotte side, you're paying attention to Cody Zeller, although I you know, think we, again, sort of know how this goes with the Heat. Kelly Olynyk, is he, is he back in our good graces? I think the answer is probably yes. Kings are in New Orleans to take on the Pelicans. Uh, New Orleans favored by three in this ballgame. That number's been dropping pretty consistently. Kings, last game of a road trip, but this is also revenge, and they've been having fun. That's a magical thing. These teams will, these teams will just exchange buckets. With no Steven Adams around, you know, presumably he's out. There's Like with the Pelicans, there's not going to be any pretense of playing defense either. So look for a very high total and uh, look for, I think, a pretty competitive ball game. So if you can catch a you know possession or two on that king side, that seems pretty reasonable. Sacramento, you can pay attention to the center minutes battle if that's a thing that's happening right now with the Pels. I know everybody's watching Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And uh, that's probably about it for that ball game. Knicks are in Chicago to take on the Bulls, favored by four. And I think this is a good line. I think the Bulls probably do win this game in a narrow fashion. The Knicks are going to want to try to grind this thing out. Bulls are going to want to speed it up. And uh, it's hard to know who's going to dictate the pace. You know, normally you'd slightly lean towards a home team, but there are no fans. So it's a little bit weird. Fantasy-wise, Alec Burks on the Knicks side. Quickly, how many, what's the minute split quickly? And and Peyton with Chicago. It's been a Thad Young show lately. Is Otto Porter healthy enough to go? Probably not. If his back tightened up, I'm sure they'll play it safer than anything. Rockets, Thunder, Houston, they're having fun right now, which makes them a difficult team to bet, although, or to bet against, I should say. But at the same time, this is sort of the second game back for Oklahoma City. This is going to be one where they play better, and we've seen them. They are, they fight. They do not back down, and I don't think they will in this one. I I, I was hoping the Rockets would be laying more like six, six and a half, because I love getting that extra, that six is just such a, juicy points see too many games that end like at five and somebody shooting free throws uh i do lean to the thunder in this one although i might leave that one alone with as well as the rockets have been playing lately bucks by nine and a half right now they opened as 11 point favorites that's been coming down people seem to think the uh the bucks have forgotten how to win but that is a very big number if the blazers were getting double digits you'd almost have to take it now you'd probably leave that thing alone fantasy wise rob covington he's been looking a bit better Gary Trent Jr., can he keep it going for Portland? And on the Milwaukee side, uh, nothing, really. Although Dante DiVincenzo has been quite cold lately. would like to see him kind of get the engines back going and, and point the truck in the right direction. Grizzlies and Spurs in a rematch. Grizz did everything right in the uh, first half of this one. Can the Spurs bounce back? DeMar DeRozan was basically non-existent in that. I've got to think they put forth a better effort, but... It's hard to know, you know, that was a weird one. Fantasy-wise with the Grizzlies, you know, Grayson Allen's health, and so then you can kind of watch DeAnthony Melton. I'm not going to dive too deep under the Grizzlies thing. Eventually they'll have Jonas Valanciunas back, and then I don't think it'll be that long, honestly. And then Tillman kind of goes back to being a pumpkin, and 
We did get word this morning, by the way, that uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is still not close. So that's a reason for, you know, continuing to trot guys out like slow-mo and feeling good about Brandon Clark. But that's kind of as far as we go on that one. uh, Derek White came back for the Spurs over the weekend. His minutes should be trending up here. The question is at what pace, but he's obviously a must-own guy. Mavs favored by 2.5 over the Suns. Another rematch game. Total's been dropping precipitously here. And I, you know, I'd love to take the Mavericks, but like looking at that last ball game, they made every damn shot and they still lost. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I probably lean to the Suns to just repeat and beat them again. But it, it just you, you got it. <sighs> Can't look at it the wrong way. Pistons Nuggets. Nuggets have the Lakers in L.A., a little playoff revenge game coming up on Thursday, but that's still a few days out here. Denver put together one of the greatest shooting shows that I have seen in a long time yesterday against the Jazz. Laying a bunch of points. It was 9.5 to open. It's down to 8. I like the Pistons in this one. I got to think they come back and play better than they did uh, in Golden State against the Warriors. That was a particularly ugly ball game. Detroit, you're watching all the same guys. Nuggets... You know, uh, again, can anyone else sustain fantasy value? Is it going to be Barton? Is it going to be Jermichael Green? I'd love to see someone get up and over that hump, but I am not super hopeful. And boy, they are they are really something when the offense is clicking. That's for damn sure. Another week begins with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Open up an account today with promo code HOOPBALL and get started. Get started betting on sports with our friends at mybookie.ag. And as I said last week, my personal promo continues. If you open up an account with promo code HOOPBALL and drop in your first deposit, whatever it might be, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Let me know. Say, Dan, I made a deposit with my new account at mybookie. I'll DM with you. I've got a prize waiting for you as soon as you make that first deposit. It's better than anything they'll give you at mybookie. I promise. We've got the best prize. Again, that's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And that one you're going to have to go through Twitter if you want to get me. Which, by the way, I said it last week. If you are playing fantasy basketball and you're not using Twitter, you have set yourself behind. So open up a damn account. I don't care if you make a profile. Follow me. Follow the people I follow so you can get the NBA news faster than anybody else in your league. You'll take over your league overnight by having this podcast and following the right people on Twitter. You'll destroy them. MyBookie.ag, once again, is the website for our buddies, our sports betting partners here at Hoop-Ball.com. Promo code is HoopBall, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Make sure to sign up, drop in a deposit, and then holler at me. Get your damn prize. I think, I think that brings us to the end of the program. Reverse chronological lightning round done. Look ahead done. Recruitment pitch done. Again, we're looking for you. If you want to cover a team, now's the time. And if you love the pod, I hope you do. I really hope you do. If you're listening all the time, I reckon you don't hate it, because at least you came back. But if you're relatively new, or if you've been around a long time, I don't care which, please, 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 please drop a five-star review on the show. Subscribe to the podcast. Just hitting that button alone is such a critical piece of the puzzle for yours truly and the continued growth of HoopBall and Fantasy NBA today. I am Dan Vespers. Folks, have a wonderful, wonderful Monday. Back at you tomorrow morning. Same time, same place. We'll break it all down. Get you set up for another day. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.